Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Week three of our No Limit series today, and I'm going to talk about there being no limit to God's provision. Have you ever been caught out? Now, if you wonder why this white box keeps appearing... It's just on every stage in every campus every week as a reminder to this series. I'm not going to use it a lot today, but it's just a picture of the limits that we place around ourselves and that we place around God. And that we are living in a year of limitation where things have been restricted, but God wants to break out of some of those limitations that we've placed on Him and that we've placed on ourselves. Have you ever been caught out at a time where you realised there wasn't much that you had to offer? Like someone's turned up to your house and they've walked in and it's 5.45 and the whole family piles out of the car and they come in and they sit in your lounge room and they start chatting and they've driven 45 minutes to see you and you realise they've arrived right on dinner time and you feel compelled in your spirit to feed them. Now there's some houses you want to turn up to and there's some other houses you don't. Like Deb in 16 minutes would have a full roast pork dinner out on the table for you. But there's some of your houses you think that's just the worst case scenario. You go to the cupboard and you think to yourself... We have got nothing in the cupboard except a couple of dry crisp breads and some honey and some Vegemite. Can I make do with the limitation that I have in my cupboard? Or maybe you get a last minute invitation to go out somewhere special. You know, someone rings up and says, you want to come out and do dinner or come out to a show? I've got a spare ticket. Are you in? And you're like, fantastic. That's great. But you go to your wardrobe and you realize you haven't caught up on washing for a while. So all you've got is like a daggy pair of painting shorts and like a a footy jersey of some description. Is that going to distract anyone if I leave that there for the rest of my message? No, I didn't use that whole illustration just for that. But you've got caught out. You've got nothing in the cupboard. Or or maybe you've walked past somebody that's asking for a donation and you realise that all you've got in your pocket is a measly coin and you're determining whether you're going to keep it for the lunch that you're going to buy or you're going to give it away. We've all been caught out in places where we feel like we have nothing to give except just something small, something loose change-like, something old and used. I want to tell us a story today that, that is someone that says to God, I have nothing except. I have nothing except. And if you've got your Bible, you can turn to the book of Two Kings uh, in the Old Testament. Great story that I want to share with you this morning. Two Kings chapter 4, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to 7. It's going to come up on the screen if you want to follow along. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he received, you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, How can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all. Okay, let's get this. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. So she left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept 
pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there is not a jar left. And then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil, pay your debts and you and your sons can live of what is left. There is obviously a significant amount of oil that it was going to pay the debt and give her a living. Just a little bit of context to this passage. You could, you could preach a lot of stuff out of this passage. You could use this passage really badly, and, and some people do. But just some context. When, when we read the scriptures, the Bible talks to widows, widows and orphans, significant number of times. Like you go and Google in your Bible app, widows, and there's verses right through that speak to the widows. God had a special place in his heart for the widows because they were some of the most vulnerable people in society, in a very patriarchal society, uh, a society where family and family lineage and like property that got passed between family members was such a huge part of what they were. And also because of the attitudes and the social status that was sometimes ascribed to the women in the society, to find yourself widowed meant that you found yourself in a highly vulnerable position. This lady in this story is in a highly vulnerable position, but she's got two sons, which is great news for her except that she owes someone a lot of money. Like her husband has passed, but she owes a lot of money. And so the one who she owes money to is going to come and take her sons into slavery. Now that sounds a little extreme, but remember in the context of the day that that was an appropriate way to have a debt repaid. And so one is coming to take her remaining family. Just just think about this from a personal perspective. This isn't just a lady that's lost a husband. Now someone's going to come and take her son's away from her as well. And so in grief and in desperation, with no other solution, she cries out to Elisha, one of the prophets, and says, Elisha, I need your help. I don't want to do. My sons are about to be taken. And so Elisha, filled with the wisdom of God, says to her, I want you to go and look in your house. What do you got? You know, her first reaction is, I got nothing. I got nothing. I've been left with nothing. It's why they're coming to take my sons. Actually, all I've got, There's a little bit of oil in a jar. She says, I've got nothing except a little oil in the jar. And Elisha says, okay, well, if that's all you've got, go and get some jars and start pouring out the oil. There's a great story that reminds us of God's compassion, God's desire to take care of the special, uh, the poor and the vulnerable. And we could preach into that. I'm not going to today. I just want to focus on that one verse, the response of the lady when Elisha says, what have you got? And it's the verse that says this, your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. And it's in these words that I think we find the key to this passage and the key to the miracle that follows. I reckon these are words that have come out of all of our mouths at some point. I have nothing except. I have nothing except. Except the Bible is filled with great characters that we know and we love and we teach in children's church that use these words. They may not use the exact words, I have nothing except, but they use them in different ways. God appears to Moses and said, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I'm going to send you to lead them out of slavery and into the land that I've promised them. And if you read Exodus Exodus 3 and 4, Moses comes up with, I think, six or seven different reasons why. Here's I've got nothing reasons. He says, I've got nothing. I'm not good at speaking. How can I lead if I can't speak? He says, I don't think they're going to trust me. I'm just a shepherd. And God ends up saying to Moses, well, what is it that you've got? Moses essentially says, God, I've got nothing except the staff in my hand. And God says, well, what is it in your hand, Moses? Let's use that. 
and let's do a miracle. Another guy, Gideon, stories told in Joshua chapter six, uh, Judges chapter 6. Gideon sees the plight of his people that are being ambushed by uh, surrounding armies. And he comes before God and God says, Gideon, I'm going to use you. And Gideon says, God, I'm a nobody. My family is the weakest family in our whole tribe. And our tribe is the weakest in all the nation. Now, I'm the youngest in my family. Like you cannot pick smaller fry God. I've got nothing. Except God sees in him a willingness to do something great. Jonah doesn't even say, I've got nothing, God. God, Jonah just decides when God calls him to go do something, he's just going to walk the other way and see how far away he can get from God. You see, there's many people that have responded to God in a very similar way that this widow responds to Elisha. What do you got? Well, I've got nothing except just this little thing. And I just want to sit on those words a little bit today. I have nothing except... Because the question I want to ask us all this morning is, are you willing to surrender the little that you have? Because if we're willing to surrender the exception, God can provide the miracle. If we're willing to surrender the exception, God can provide the miracle. Let me take us through four things that I reckon sometimes we use as I've got nothing. I've got nothing except... The first thing I want to talk about is our words or our talk. And I'm only using talk sounds really awkward. Why would you choose talk? Because it's really words. But my other three start with T. So it had to be a T word. But, but I've got nothing. God, I've got nothing. There's nothing that I can say. I've heard that from so many people. People of faith, people that are regular in church. And they say, do you ever tell anyone about Jesus? And they're like, I just know nothing. I know nothing. All I know is Jesus loves me. But don't ask me to tell anybody about Jesus because I wouldn't know what to say. I've got nothing. I want to ask a question. Are you willing to surrender the little bit that you do have and allow God to do the miracle? Hey, last week, if uh, you were here, I was meant to be here and then I did a no-show. It's not because I don't love you. I actually miss it when I'm away from all my family. But our Mackenzie campus pastor, Tim Lucas rang me on Saturday morning and said, mate, I am really sick. I cannot get out of bed. Uh, This has gone beyond the man flu to something much worse. This is a diagnosable condition. And uh, obviously in the current climate we're in, um, it's not great at the best of times to put someone sick on stage. But right now, we just are not putting anyone near the building that's crook. And so we had to work some things pretty quickly. And anyway, then it meant that I ended up at McKenzie. Now, I got to preach the message at McKenzie last Sunday that I preached at Ormo the week before that. just happened that it worked out really perfectly in terms of the timing of our series. Uh, In the intervening week, I got to preach that message that I preached here to you guys on Hosea, on uh, No Limits to God's Love. I got to speak that and record it for our Gateway Online service last week. And then I turned up to Gateway McKenzie last Sunday and I got to preach it at 8, 10 and 6 p.m. Like three services is not in my pastoral contract. (laughs) Like, I was, a, I was done by the end of the day. But by the 6 p.m. service, right, I've now preached that message five times. And it was good. <laughs> right? Like, I had five attempts at it. I'm not just telling you that. I'm just quoting someone else. Justin Murray sitting down here, did our announcements, was there at 6 p.m. And he came up to me afterwards and he said, that was way better than when you preached it at Ormo last week. <laughs> so when I say it was good, I'm just quoting him. But... It was good, right? I, I was just like, I hardly needed my notes. It was just, it was just flowing. It was 
just a great oration. Like there's poetry in it. There was power. There was just like, I went low at the right time and I raised the things up at the right time. It meant there was just silence amongst a group of young adults. It was just like you could have heard a pin drop. And then I got to the end and I just crafted the most perfect gospel response, right? And, and as I'm just about to call people forward for prayer, my mind's eye went to the response that was coming. There were going to be hundreds of young people just compelled out of their seats, forward to the altar, in tears, weeping on their knees before Jesus. Taxi drivers driving past were going to feel the glory emanating out of the building and turn into the driveway and come into the altar. I was just ready for it, and I gave this incredibly clear gospel response. And three young people meandered their way to the front over the next five minutes, like demoralizing. Great, the three, very, they, they were actually listening. It, okay, if you don't know me, I'm using a little bit of hyperbole here. I'm not, I don't usually talk like this about myself, but here's my point. Like, I, I'd, I'd spoken a message five times and I'd got the words kind of really flowing well. I've gone to some youth rallies over my years. I was formerly a youth pastor and some people have got up to preach and they've rambled for 20 minutes, made no sense, had no theological depth. Nobody understood what they were saying. They just told story for 18 minutes. And then at the end, went on about something about Jesus. And the only bit anyone understood was, if you want to commit your life to Jesus, and hundreds of people would flow forward to the altar in prayer, taxi drivers driving past and turning the driveway. And I'm sitting there going, what's that all about? Now, I am going beyond the point, okay? I'm not, I'm not arrogant, please. Get to know, I'm not arrogant. My point is this, right? If we think it's all about us and how well we craft things and how great our argument is, I, I'm all for people actually taking seriously the study of God's word. It really matters. It really matters, you know, if you want to teach others that you actually dive into it for yourself and you actually speak the truth out of it. That, that does matter. But here's my point. Some of us never open our mouth because we feel like we don't have the skills that are going to craft something that's actually going to transform someone's life. The minute you think that your words are the thing that transforms someone else's life, you've missed the point. And God wants to say to some of us this morning, will you surrender the little bit that you have and then bring the jars and let me fill them? Some of you have got people in your world and in your network that are never going to hear me preach and never going to hear anyone else stand on a church stage and preach. You're the only faithful follower of Jesus that they know. But if you don't open your mouth and speak something to them, and yet they might ask you some questions you can't answer. They might ask you some, you know, how's the universe made and how do you all make sense of this? And you may not be able to answer it. But the question is, are you willing to surrender the little bit that you have? Because most people say, I've got nothing to say, except I know that Jesus loves me. Well, tell someone that Jesus loves them too. And let God do the miracle. Will you surrender the little that you have when it comes to your words and let God do the miracle? You know, I was speaking to someone recently who's been a long-time regular part of Gateway, and they told me that the thing that got them to stay in our church was on the very first Sunday they walked in a little bit lost and knowing nobody, somebody that they didn't know stepped out of their seat and went and engaged them in a conversation. They couldn't even tell you what the conversation was about. But the thing that they needed in their life right at that moment was for God to use someone else to be the mouthpiece just to let them know that they were welcome and they were glad that they were here and God used that moment to go on and transform their life. 
Are you willing just to open your mouth? Are you willing to surrender to God and let him do the miracle? So some of us need to surrender our talk or our words. Some of us, the thing that when we're asked if we've got any of and we say no is our time. How much time have you got? I've got nothing except. You got any time for me this week? I've got nothing except. And we live in a world that's increasingly busy. And we are increasingly busy. I know that for myself. Come and talk to Chrissy and I. Our family story is reflected in the story of many of you. It's increasingly busy. But sometimes we think because of that, we have nothing to offer. But what if we surrendered the little bit of time that we had and allowed God to use that to fill the jars and do something incredible in someone else's life? There's a great story, Luke chapter 8. Jesus has been uh, approached by a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader that comes and says, my daughter is sick, Jesus. I, I, I have nothing left. He's a moment where he goes, I've got nothing left. Jesus, can you come and make her well? And Jesus is on the way there. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is being crushed by the crowd. He's so surrounded and hemmed in. And he's trying to make his way through because by now, he's just this incredibly popular figure, you know, in the back streets because of all that he's doing and all that he's teaching and all that they're seeing through his ministry. And as Jesus is moving through the crowd and there's people bumping up against him and the disciples are trying to carve a path, you can imagine it. Hey, hurry, 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 hurry. Jesus stops and says, someone touched my cloak. Now, I could just imagine Jairus there going, awesome, my daughter's sick. Can we just move things a little bit quicker? And Jesus said, oh, whoa, whoa, who was that? And the disciples, well, Jesus, there's people all around you. There's a hundred people that have been touching your cloak. What do you mean? He goes, no, 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 there was something different. And in that moment, he turns around and he ministers to a lady that's been living with a condition that's been debilitating for her for the entirety of her life or at least in all the memory that she would have had. And Jesus ministers healing to this woman that, that has had this bleeding condition and heals her. And in the intervening time, Jairus goes, well, thanks for stopping, she's died. Jesus goes on and reads the rest of the story, does a miracle in the life of Jairus' daughter, but here's my point. Some of us feel like the thing that we don't have anything of is time. But all of us have got something. All of us have those exception moments. How do you use the exception moment? I'm no good at this, but sometimes just a little text message to encourage somebody is just the thing that God might use to actually change the course of someone's day or speak into a decision that they might be able to make. Maybe just adding a little bit to the pot for dinner and putting a plate aside for somebody else that you know in your streets doing it really tough or is sick that week and delivering it might just be the thing that God wants to use. You know, what would it look like if we all chose to surrender the little that we had and let God provide the miracle? And talk our time, thirdly, our talents. I hear this one a lot I have nothing to offer. You know what? All of us have got something to offer. The problem that most of us live with is we compare our offering to other people's offerings. You read the scripture, Jesus makes it very clear that the one thing we should never compare ourselves to is anybody else. Nobody else is going to stand before the throne of grace and give account for your life other than you. So whatever it is that God has given you, that's the thing that you're accountable to speak to. 
But many of us look at what God has gifted us with and think, ah, oh, there's a hundred people that could do what I do. I've got nothing to give. No, 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 God has gifted every one of you with something that you can use for the glory of his kingdom. No exceptions. He's gifted every single one of you. Not all of you are going to have the capacity to stand on a stage and write a worship song that a church is almost going to sing. Not all of you have the capacity to uh, show hospitality to people. Some of you have got incredible gift of hospitality that you just come near food and community happens around you. Others just go, man, that just stresses me out no end. Some of you have got incredible administrative abilities that the rest of us just look at and, and just wonder kind of what planet you were formed on. Some of you have the gift of encouragement. Some of you have the gift of evangelism. Some of you just have the gift of being able to speak. Some of you are the ones that are going to occasionally get up and bumble and just go, do you want to commit your life to Jesus? And see, there's just something that you have. But so many of us look at others and compare ourselves and go, well, I've got nothing to offer. The question I want to ask this morning is instead of saying, oh, I have nothing except, what, what would happen if you actually surrendered the exception to Jesus and let him use you to do something incredible? Gideon says to God, oh, I've got nothing the youngest in my family, from the weakest tribe in all of the nation, you've come to the wrong guy, go find someone that's stronger, has greater connections, is more renowned than I am. And God goes, no, 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 Gideon, I want to use you. God can change the world, not through people with the greatest talent, but through the people that are willing to surrender whatever it is they have to him. The jars only got filled because the widow trusted God, had faith in his word and was obedient to go and fill the jars. And guess what happened? The oil only stopped flowing when she ran out of jars. That's what God's provision is like. So what would it look like for you to actually take a step of faith and start to use your talent and let God fill the gap? Finally, our treasure. You know, so often we think that what we give doesn't matter because it's not that much. Again, we spend our life comparing ourselves to others. You know, when I was a uni student, $2 meant a lot. The only person that had ever harassed me for it was a guy in the Queen Street Mall that was dressed like a koala carrying a bucket. Does that guy still exist? Does anyone know the koala guy? Hands up. Two people know the koala guy. Must have been the way I walked to uni because he was always there dressed in a koala suit just wiggling his bucket at me. I don't even know what he stood for. Probably had nothing to do with koalas. It was probably for something else, but you know, I just, it's so often we see an opportunity to think, well, what I have to give isn't going to make a big difference. You know, a large percentage of our world lives on less than $2 a day. It's the measure for poverty in the national poverty line is people that live on less than $2 US dollars a day. We think that because what we don't have is a lot, that it doesn't matter. Therefore, we often take the little and just put it away. But what if we start when it's little? What if we start just being generous with the little we have? Because when we get a lot, it's a whole lot harder. When we talk to our kids about, you know, being generous to, to people in need and what's it look like to be generous in the church. And part of the reason, that, and we probably don't talk about it enough, to be honest, but part of the reason why it's good to talk to young people about that is it's so much easier to give something when you've got not much. Suddenly when we've got way more than we used to have, we tell ourselves that it's much harder to give, isn't it? What if we surrendered the little bit of treasure that we had and allowed God to provide for the gap?
You see, that points probably to the other side of this challenge. For many of us today, the challenge is we keep telling God, I've got nothing, I've got nothing, I've got nothing, except I've got nothing, except. Well, the challenge for you today, whether it's to do with your time, your talent, your treasure, or the words that come out of your mouth, are you willing to say to God, I will surrender whatever it is I have and trust you to do the miracle? There's a challenge for some of us that's different to that, and it's the challenge that we don't have nothing. We've actually got a lot. We've got a lot of time. We've got a lot of knowledge that we can speak to. We've got a lot of talent. We've got a lot of treasure. But the, the, the question, the challenge is still the same. Will you surrender the lots that you got to God's purposes? Will you let him use the provision that you already have to do something miraculous with? As I said to you, it's really easy when we don't have much, isn't it, to give it away. Like, it's really easy to give it away. Can't even find my two dollars now. Eric, go buy yourself a Vietnamese rice paper roll. (laughs) His favourite food, by the way. I'm just giving you all a hint. If you ever go near Eric, or if he ever takes you out for lunch, you're having Vietnamese rice paper rolls with po. Is that right? With extra chilli. There you go. It's so easy to give away when we don't have much. But when we've got a lot, it's much harder to be faithful in surrendering it because there's something in our spirit, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, that makes it feel like if we have a lot that we earn it or we deserved it or it's ours. When we don't have anything, we've got nowhere else to go but to our knees and to God. But when we've got a lot, it's easy to lean into our own self-sufficiency. But the question is the same, will you surrender it to him? You've got lots of knowledge, lots of time, lots of talent, lots of treasure. Will you surrender it to him? And I'll get the band to join me at this point. It's easy to surrender nothing because what have we got to lose? It's often harder to surrender everything because there's a lot more at stake. But the words of Jesus actually are very confronting in this moment. He says at one point, anyone or everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Luke 12 48. For the one that has given much, much will be demanded. For the one that has been given a lot, much, much more will be asked. If you have nothing, are you willing to surrender the exception to God? If you have a lot, are you willing to surrender the lot to him? As I said, the only thing that stopped the oil flowing was when the jars stopped being presented. We bring nothing, we give it to God. He fills the gaps. He provides the miracle. You don't provide the miracle. You can't create that. You can't conjure that up. But God can. My question today is, will you surrender the little that you have and then will you be obedient, trusting God to provide the rest? Hey, as we finish this morning, we invite us all to stand for a moment. Come and jump on your feet. Before I pray for us, I just want to give you a minute just while the band plays and just just to come before God and say, God, what's the nothing that I have except? What's the nothing except? I want to ask today if you can have the courage just to say to God, God, I'll surrender the little that I have. It's yours. I'll surrender the words from my mouth, God, if you need me to speak, I will speak. I'll surrender the little time I had. God, if you can use the little offering of time that I have 
God placed someone in my heart, someone to ring, someone to text, someone to cook for, someone to encourage. God, take the little that I have to offer. God, I don't feel like I've got a lot to offer. I feel like the things that I'm good at, everyone else is good at too, God. But if you can use it, it's yours. God, I don't have a lot to give. But if, God, it's yours. I surrender it to you. What's the point for you that today you need to choose to surrender? What's the thing you need to be willing to offer up? Why don't you take a minute just to consider that, just to let God speak to you, let the Holy Spirit just to prompt something within you. Then we're just going to hand them to God this morning together. We're going to pray together. going to do now is I'm going to lead us through a prayer and I'm going to leave some gaps for you to name it. I'm, I'm on this thing at the moment. That I think it's, there's something about naming it and acknowledging it and owning it before God that really matters. So I want to lead us through a prayer. I'm going to give you some words. I want you to pray with me. I want you to name it. You might want to speak it. You might just want to do it in your mind's eye, but I want you to pray with me and name the thing to God. Lord God, I have this. Now name it. Today, I choose to surrender it to you. I feel like I have not much to offer, Lord. But I realize you are the God of provision. Give me the faith to keep bringing the jars. Keep pouring. Take the little that I offer, Lord, and use it for your glory. Amen. Hey God, I want to pray that you would honour those prayers that have been spoken today. God, that we would never hide behind the nothing. We'd always surrender the exception. That you would use it for your glory. You would be the provider. God, that there, we realise there is no limit to your provision. The only thing that limits it, God, is our willingness to surrender it and the faith that we carry in our heart. God, may you do some miracles, I pray. In the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and we'd love to see you at one of our Sunday services because everyone who comes through our doors is welcome. You can find out more about our community and locations at gatewaybaptist.com.au.